Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to Argyle Chat. Joining me this week are our podcast regulars, Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi, gents. Hello, you're looking very tanned for the people that can only hear us. Yeah, I know. It's uh, two weeks and I spent a week in Greece. So um, thankfully I wasn't with Harry Maguire. (laughs) (laughs) Not bitter at all, are we, Chris? (laughs) No, um, yeah, I haven't been away this year. So yeah, I'm very envious of uh, Stu going somewhere nice and hot and sunny because it Certainly hasn't been hot and sunny in Plymouth lately, that's for sure. When, when was the last time you hadn't, haven't gone away, Chris, for a year? Has it been a while? Well, I was, I was talking to some people the other day. I, I don't think I've been outside of, of Devon <laughs> since Argyle played Bradford at Valley Parade on February the 29th. Wow. That's very rare for you. Well, it's just weird, isn't it? Yeah. You're missing the motorways. I don't think... Well, I've not been on the M5 or the M6 or the M1 or... I'll have forgotten my way to all these places, Jack. You'll, you'll be reacquainted very soon, and soon enough you'll be really annoyed with them all again, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't think I've been outside of Devon since the end of February, so that's quite a scary thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, uh, as Jack said, I'm sure that will change soon with um, the new season very much just around the corner. Um, we've not done a podcast for a couple of weeks, but there's certainly been plenty going on in that time and plenty of new arrivals at Home Park, some more familiar and some new players. Um, I think we touched on Luke McCormick in, uh, on the last podcast, didn't we? Um, but Frank Nublay, Panucci, Kamara, Lewis McLeod and Kel Watts have all arrived since we last did the podcast. What do you guys make of those signings then? Me first, Jack? Oh, yeah, go on, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frank Nublai is something different to what Argyle have got in the rest of their attacking options. Uh, big physical striker, can play out in wider positions. But Ryan Lowe's already said that he's signed him to play between the penalty area, the lines of the penalty area. So he doesn't want him drifting out wide. He wants him staying in the centre of the pitch, um, being the focal point for their uh, attacking play. Uh, I guess you can say he's he's a sort of replacement for Ryan Taylor, who, who has left and subsequently signed for Newport County. So he's an interesting one. Benuche Kamara, don't know too much about, to be perfectly honest. Uh, he was at Crawley um, for a couple of seasons. Impressed Ryan Lowe when Argyle played um, up at Crawley last season. Sounds as though he could be uh, a holding midfield player, but more likely an attacking central midfield player. So um, he was on their radar for quite a while. So he was somebody they were keen to bring in. Uh, then you get into to Lewis McLeod, who has got a great pedigree. Um, you know, moved from from Rangers to to Brentford for for over a million pounds. Uh, had injury problems at Brentford. Went to Wigan last season and didn't really fit into Paul Cook's style of play at Wigan. And he's definitely one of those players who's looking to rebuild his career um, or kickstart his career, not rebuild it, but kickstart it. And he's dropped down to League One. And he's made it clear he's looking to play 40 games at least this season for Argyle. So he's not coming here to um, just, you know, be part of the crowd. He wants to be one of the key players. And Kale Watts looks an exciting loan signing. 20-year-old from Newcastle. He made his Premier League debut for them um, against Liverpool in their final league game of last season as a sub. Uh, left-sided central defender. Looks like he and Gary Sawyer will compete for that side of the uh, the defence. And... Um, 
So uh, a couple of loan signings, a couple of familiar faces, some sort of unknown quantities, um, a, a good mix that Ryan Lowe's made, and I still think another two, one or two signings to come. Jack? Yeah, I, I think, well, firstly, the, the thing I'd point out is, you know, when the whole pandemic happened and with the, with the way things were going to go and money being tight, it was a bit of an unknown as to what sort of players teams were going to be able to sign, you know. I think Argola very lucky. Apologies if you can hear a siren. I live right next to a police station. So if you can hear that, that's what it is. Um, you know, we were lucky to have Simon Hallett in charge, but he did say, you know, whilst we're a better place than most, we're not, we're not invincible. So you didn't really know what sort of players Argyle were going to be able to attract, you know, because you sort of felt that because of the situation, there'd be so many different clubs after the same players, possibly more than usual, because there wouldn't be so many people buying players, for example. But with that in mind, I've been quite impressed with the players that he signed. He seems to have got a different range of players. Some are exciting. Some some have been there, done it. You know, Ryan Hardy coming back is fantastic. I Part of me thought that he would go to a bigger League One club, maybe, or, or get a chance at Blackpool even. You know, I still find that sort of scenario a bit weird, especially after the whole Owen Doyle thing last year in League Two. The, hopefully, from Argos' perspective, there'll be a similar situation with Ryan Hardy, you know, being one of the top goal scorers in League One and Blackpool thinking, why the hell have we loaned him out? Um, but overall, I'm quite, you know, with my fan hat on, there are some there that are quite exciting. And as a fan, I think you look at those ones that have possibly had lots of promise in the past and you, you hope that they can sort of have that again. You know, we've spoken before, I think, about Argyle have a tendency to sign players with injury records. But, you know, as we've said, you know, when you're in League One and League Two, to get good players, you have to take those types of risks sometimes. Because if you, unless you have a Peterborough budget where you're spending hundreds of thousands pounds on players you're not going to be able to, to attract these types of players so I, I think I'm, I'm excited by it and can't wait for the season to start. Who, who excites you most Jack from the signings made so far? I bet it's not Kel Watts because no one gets excited about centre-half do they? <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably Kamara you know probably because he's a bit unknown and people have spoken so highly of him I've seen some journalists saying he was one of the best players he saw, they saw in League Two last year I think Ryan Lowe and his coaching staff have got a very good record of coaching players and it's interesting when Chris was off and, and, and I was writing a few um, Argyle stories, I, I was interesting to see that Ryan Lowe was saying that, you know, he's trying hard to coach certain players to work how he wants them to play. And, and you sort of, with, with what he did last year and with what he did at Berry, you believe that he's able to do that. You know, he's able to spot things in players that maybe they didn't do at other clubs and, or, or whatever and get the best out of them. So I'm, I'm excited for Kamara, partly because he's an unknown. And partly, I don't know if I can say this, but I get excited by foreign players. I don't know why. It's that stereotypical thing of English players. I don't know why. In my head, I sort of think of them as quite, being quite dull. Does that make sense? You know, when, remember when I go in the championship and we signed the Hungarian trio, and it's just, it just seems so exciting to me, you know, still. The exotic names that they have. I don't know if I told you guys this, but I know John Yems, the Crawley manager, quite well. And I did actually ask him about uh, Kamara at the time, and he was really disappointed that he wasn't staying at Crawley. He, he said that they'd offered him a new contract, but he decided to turn it down and obviously head to Argyle instead. So, I mean, it does certainly sound like Argyle have got a real prospect on their hands. Yeah, and, that's, yeah. and I think that's what, that, with my fan hat on, that's what excites me. And with, with, with that and with Ryan Lowe's record of getting the best out of certain players, like, you know, he bought the best out of Sarsavik. And I, I, you know, undoubtedly Sarsavik had quality, but I don't think if Ryan Lowe hadn't had an impact on him or let him play in the way he did, he wouldn't be at Bolton now. So, you know, he's, he's got a record of getting some good things out of players. And it's interesting that he was saying that he's got lots of pace and he needs to control it a bit more. And you can just sort of imagine them on the training ground trying to get people to do what they want. But 
it's the fact that he's getting players to play in his style, I think, has worked well. You know, we've also talked about the defence last season, didn't we? In League One, they conceded a lot of goals, but he was determined to play his style. And eventually, you know, they kept quite a lot of clean sheets. And this was a defence that conceded a lot of goals in League One, admittedly in League Two last year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited by it. Yeah, I think the defence is going to be the big um, interesting thing this season because, you know, the, the, the back three was largely the same back three as it was the previous season. But... You look at this year, um, obviously, Callum Watts has come in from Newcastle. And um, I've forgotten. Will, it, Will, Will Ainson. Yeah, Will Ainson, yeah. of course. It, that, that's like a new signing, isn't it? Because he, he only made a handful of appearances for our car last year. So you're looking at there two centre-halves that look like they're more than capable of playing at League One level at least. I don't know, Chris. Do you know, I, I mean, I know from, the, from what I saw briefly last year, Will Ainson looked very good in the box. And we spoke before about since Sonny Bradley left, our goal really missed that sort of... Um, defender that can get on the end of corners and things like that. I don't know if Kel Watts is one of those types of players as well. I don't, I don't really know much about him, to be honest. No, I mean, he's not played too much too much football, has he? He had um, loan spells at Stevenage and, and Mansfield last season. I think he got a goal for Mansfield in seven or eight games. Um, Will Ameson, as you say, Stu, is like a new signing, and um, he can probably play in the centre of the three defenders or on the right side. Um, you've got Wooten and Canavan who can who can play uh, across the defence as well. You've got Gary Sawyer as well. So you've got basically five players going for three places. So um, um, you wouldn't be surprised if Will Ameson featured prominently this season um, if he can stay fit. Because you know, after all, Ryan Lowe brought him from Bury to to Argyle. He, he worked with him at Bury. They had a good season together there. So he, he's clearly somebody that Ryan Lowe rates and. Um, interesting to see how that um, battle for the three central defensive uh, places uh, plays out. And it's possibly more important next season that these that all the players in their positions get used to working with each other all individually, individually because you know we've spoken about how quickly games are going to come next season and there might be more of a need to rotate than before. So they're all going to have to be able to step in and out when, when necessary, aren't they? And, and, and the one thing that I remember from the last time Argyle went up from League 2 to League 1 the standard of strikers in League One, particularly the top end of League One, is far superior to, to a lot in League Two. And I know it's a cliche, but it is true. You know, in, in League Two, you can get away with making de defensive mistakes. Um, when you're playing a decent League One team with the strikers that they're likely to have available to them, if you make one slip, it will cost you. So um, you really have to be on your ball to play, uh, play in defence in League One. Absolutely. And when you look at the signings as well, there's a real mix of players in that list, some, some that have experience, and then others like Callum Watts and um, Kamara that are young and exciting prospects. Do you think that's what's needed in League One? It's, it certainly seems a good blend of youth and experience that Ryan Lowe's brought to the club. Yeah, I think most successful teams have a bit of everything, don't they? You know, the, uh, the experienced old head, the, uh, the players in their prime of their careers, and then the sort of the the hunger and enthusiasm of the young younger players that are trying to make their way and uh, move up through the ranks sort of thing. So um, Argyle appear to have that. They've got two very experienced, very knowledgeable about the club leaders in, in Luke McCormick and Gary Sawyer. And then they've got a, a sprinkling of, of everything else. So I would have thought Ryan Lowe's pretty happy with the makeup of the squad. Like I say, maybe just one or two more signings, uh, before the season starts and uh, away we go. 
it's also, you know, off the pitch as well. You know, I remember Anthony Sarsavic going on about how Luke McCormick welcomed him and his wife. You know, I remember that, that sticks in my mind when he said that, because I, I feel like, especially when you're down this far, you need that. And if they've got that as well and can help partners and, and children or, or whatever settle, then that will help the players do well on the pitch as well. So it's good to have, as Chris said, those, those two players in, in McCormick and Sawyer that sort of know the area and sort of have the, have the sort of club in their blood, really. Yeah, proper club men. Um, Kel Watts as well, he was praised by the Newcastle captain, Jamal Lascales. Um, that certainly bodes well as well. I mean, to have, it, it wasn't just praise as well, it was real high praise, wasn't it, Chris, with the words that he came out with? Yeah, and it, it was um, some comments that the Newcastle captain made. Um, Newcastle went to a training camp in York last week. And uh, isn't, it amazing, isn't it amazing that because of COVID and everything that's going on, all these Premier League clubs go into York <laughs> and, you know... Instead of going to Asia and America and Australia, you know, you've got Premier League teams having a training camp in York, which is a lovely place, by the way, but it just doesn't quite sound right, does it? But, um, but anyway, Jamal LaSalle's um, made the comments after sort of like their, their training camp in York before Kel Watts signed for Argyle. So he wasn't making those comments because Watts had just moved to a new club and he was trying to make him sound like good. He was, he was just saying that he was doing well in pre-season. Yeah. I thought one of the interesting things was that in the, in, the, in the interview, he used the phrase, he's a great character, two or three times. And I know that Ryan Lowe puts a big store on character players. And I suppose most managers do, really. I mean, you, sometimes there's going to be a player that you might have a few doubts about character-wise, but because he's so good, you, you take a chance on him. But... Um, I thought it was interesting that a 20-year-old lad is described as a as a great character by the Newcastle United captain. So yeah. that that, as you say, Stu, that's quite high praise. And he was also speaking about his um, sort of professionalism, wasn't he, and how hard he'd been working at his game to improve and his desire to want to improve as well. And to be fair to the lad, to come all this way down to Plymouth mm. shows just how much he wants to advance his career. Yeah, I mean, again, LaSalle's mentioned the fact that, you know, he'd been on loan at uh, Stevenage in Mansfield last season and, and he knew what it was about. And he made the point that, uh, you know, sometimes younger players think that they've made it before they've actually got into a first team. Yeah. And, um, and Watts has gone and played, I think, the best part of 30 games last season. And then he's making the next step up into League One with Argyle. And, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully he does a, a great job for Argyle. Uh, and if he does, then he's only going to enhance his prospects of, at some point in time, getting into the Newcastle first team on a regular basis. I thought it was interesting as well. I was I saw an interview with him where he was saying that he um he was only he only started practicing as a defender two years ago. He was a striker up until he was, was eighteen, mm-hmm. which is an interesting fact. Yeah, and then I think he went into midfield for a bit as well, and he's gradually worked his way back. Imagine so it'll be yeah, as I say, it'll be in goal from January for Argyle then. <laughs> Well, given our goals history with, um, I remember a few years ago with all the goalkeeper issues they had. So, um, what was that eight, eight goalkeepers in one season, was it? Yeah. Uh, Did you see, um, you just going completely off script today, but you see Remy Matthews is signed for Sunderland. Yeah, yeah. That's really Interesting to see how he does there. Can't wait to see him on the next season of the documentary on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, back to our goal then, guys. Uh, left wing back seems to be a position that Ryan Lowe is still looking at. They had Lewis Page on trial, of course. Um, he rejected the club's offer of a short-term deal and actually played for Exeter last night in a friendly 
at, um, at Tiverton. Calvin Miller seems to be the latest trialist at the club, and it seems as though he could be on his way to getting the contract, Chris, because from what Ryan Lowe said so far, he seems pretty impressed with him. Yeah, after um, Calvin Miller played against Rangers last week, he, he didn't name him at the time. He just said the trialist looks yeah. something special. And then we did um, uh, a video call with uh, Ryan after the game against Middlesbrough on Tuesday and had a chance to ask him about Calvin Miller then and he confirmed that is who the player is and um, asked him a couple of questions about him and he, he finished off by saying something along the lines of he's looking promising, he's a very talented footballer. Um, now, managers don't often give too much away when it comes to trialists. You know, they keep their options open. They're not going to commit themselves too much. But, but for a manager to come out and say he's looking promising, he's a very talented footballer, it, it, it sounds as though Calvin Miller's doing a good chance of um, a good job of getting himself a contract. Um, he sounds as though he ticks all the boxes as far as Ryan Lowe's concerned. He mentioned, for example, that he got plenty of crosses into the box against Middlesbrough. And as we've seen with Argyle last season, that is one of the key jobs for the wing-backs is to provide plenty of crosses into the box. So a uh, 22-year-old who's been at Celtic all of his career, made five starts for Celtic, never quite broke into the team. He's been away on loan a couple of times before. He's uh, clearly got a, a player of ability, but he's at the age now where he needs to start playing regular football. So... It sounds promising for him. He's going to play against Forest Green Rovers at Home Park on Saturday. And then you'd expect um, the Argyle manager to make a decision one way or another pretty soon after that. And also, it's another, it's another indication, and we'll talk about George Cooper in a minute, but it's another indication that low style of play, you know, if you're a player that's maybe down your luck a little bit and you've seen what Argyle have done last season, you know, how many assists did George Cooper get last year? If you're someone that is sort of needing that sort of, place where you can sort of rebuild your career or propel it a bit more again why wouldn't you come to Argo you know you, you would fancy a bit of that I think you know compared to some teams who don't play in that style when you don't get the chances to set up goals and attack so much and you sort of, your sort of hard work doesn't, doesn't get seen as much so again another positive indication of, of things that are going well for Argo. And Calvin Miller's good mates with Ryan Hardy apparently so you know Ryan Hardy would have told him good things about Argo from his couple of months and you know, that's how it works in football, isn't it? Players talk to other players and, and people in the game. And, you know, at the moment, fortunately, it looks as though Argyle and Ryan Lowe have got a good reputation and it, it, it improves their chances of being able to get the targets in that they want. Absolutely. I'm just trying to think. Didn't Argyle have another left-back that used to be at Celtic quite recently? On, uh, on Blackman? Yeah, that's it. Blackman, yeah. yeah. He was the worst... Defenders I've ever seen. No, don't mean to be rude, but he was. <laughs> <laughs> but he went, he went on to, did he go on to Blackpool or something? Um, he did, yeah. He just, Argyle had some shocking players in their time and he was one of them. And uh, Nadir Shifty was um, Celtic, wasn't he, as well? Oh, so. Yeah, of course. I've forgotten all about him. Yeah, so <laughs> you won't be the only ones, G. No, true. Um, Jack, you mentioned George Cooper there and it seems that that saga is rumbling on. Um, I mean, my, my personal opinion is that he's going to end up at Argyle on loan towards the end of the transfer window. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, really. I think that's something that, Chris, you sort of didn't rule out, did you? A few weeks ago, even, you thought there was a, always been a chance. I just, I just think that it, it, from talking to, to, to a few people, it doesn't sound as though George Cooper is ever going to be a first choice at Peterborough with Darren Ferguson as the, 
Oops. Now, Darren Ferguson's never come out and said, said that, but just the indications you get from people are is that at best, George Cooper's going to be a fringe player there. And middles, um, Peterborough have signed a couple of midfielders in the last few days, particularly um, Ryan Broom, who was at Cheltenham, who Darren Ferguson himself said is is um, somebody who can play a, a wing back, but his preferred position is number 10. Well, that is, that's George Cooper's yeah. positions. So they've just signed somebody on a three-year contract for an undisclosed fee. So he's clearly going to have gone above George Cooper in the pecking order. So I don't think George Cooper is going to play a lot of football at Peterborough if he stays there. Now, I can understand if Peterborough paid, say, two, £300,000 for George Cooper, George Cooper, which is the reported fee that they did, you know, they would like to get back some, if not all of that money that they paid for him. That's obvious, isn't it? Any club would want to do that. But in the market we're in, in the world that we're living in at the moment, that's you know, who's going to pay anything close to that for George Cooper? It's just not going to happen, I can't see. No. Darren McAntony, the chairman, has said that Cooper is available for transfer. Ryan Lowe has said we haven't got the money to pay for a fee, but we'd be interested in a, in a season-long loan. It doesn't strike me that Peterborough are in a particularly strong bargaining position um, because you never really want players at your football club that either don't want to be there or aren't really featuring. So my hunch is that George Cooper will come back to Argyle on a season-long loan. I think that would make sense all round um, and then review it next summer when he will be... Uh, will be a free agent. Yes, Peterborough won't get back the money they paid for him, but um, he won't be on their wage bill. And of course, clubs have got to consider the, the, the new salary cut that's in place. So uh, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I think George Cooper will end up back on back on a season-long loan. But strange things happen in football. It, I find it interesting as well, Chris, because obviously Argyle have this uh, Callum, Callum Miller's there, or Calvin Miller rather, is on yeah. trial at the moment. And of course, there's high hopes yeah. for Brian Law as well yeah. who is a left back as well yeah um i mean do you think george cooper would come in as a left back or do you just think it would be like another option for, for ryan Lowe to play potentially as a left wing back or in midfield or even as a then no i think he, he would be an option in the central midfield um that was what he was signed for last season originally and then he ended up playing left wing back because callum mcfadson got injured and and Cooper went on to do so well in that role. Now, he's played in that position before, and there's no reason why he couldn't do that again. But um, Ryan Lowe said when we saw him last week, I think it was, that he was looking for a defender and a midfielder. So conceivably, you could have Calvin Miller as your, as your left wing back, mm. George Cooper as your centre midfield player, and then that's pretty much the squad done and dusted. But then with you know, smallish squads, if the more players you've got that can play in different positions, the happier you'll be as a manager. So, you know, George Cooper can play centre midfield, he can play wing back, he can play either side. You know, he gives you lots of lots of options. So, it, it's not inconceivable Cooper signing. There's 22 players, and then Ryan Lowe's got his two players for each position, which he's talked about a lot in pre-season. He wants two players for each position. And if you look around the squad... He's not a million miles away from from achieving that now. Yeah, I think if he could also get you know if he could get Cooper back and he managed to get Hardy back, that'd be fantastic. I think they were the two, along with Alex Palmer, they were the, they were the three standout loan players last year. So to get two of the attacking ones back would be fantastic. 
Yeah, and I think they've got the goalkeeper situation sorted out now, haven't they? With McCormick coming back and and giving Cooper his big chance next season. So, so that's where you think our goal was strengthened then. From from what Ryan said, is one midfielder, one defender, and that will be it for the summer. I mean, he's he he has mentioned a couple of times you can never have enough strikers. Yeah, and if there was a striker out there that he thought could do a job, uh, and there was. You know, from that player to the squad, I, I wouldn't rule that out. But I think the goalkeeper looks fairly set. You've got five central defenders for three places. You've got uh, the right wing back. Look, looks like Joe Edwards and Byron Moore will, will go for that position. We've talked about the left wing back. Centre midfield, you've got plenty of options there. Now different types of players. You know, added Kamara and McLeod to Danny, Danny Meyer. Um, Connor Grant, you stick George Cooper in there maybe. Um uh, there's plenty of strikers up there, but you know Ryan Lowe was a striker, and he has mentioned a couple of times you can never have enough strikers. So left wing back midfielder, and if he could find a way of getting another striker in, I'm sure he would. It's, I'll tell you what else is good. It's good that I've got so much work done already because I've been reading about some teams like Swindon, for example, really struggling. I know their manager's been saying we've lost you know, Yates and we've lost Doyle and we're really struggling to replace those goals. Argos, mm. like Chris said, they're almost there, and that's that's an encouragement because. You never know. If other teams are taking a bit longer, that could give our goal, you know, put them in a bit of an advantage in the first few weeks of the season, you know, where games are coming thick and fast. And, and any advantage you can get, you've got to grab hold of. I think it'd be important to get off to a good start as well this season, given there are so many games that are going to be played. Right, Jack, you're going to take us into the half-time break with the teaser? Yep, here we go. Determined to stump Chris by not putting any dates in there and also by hardly having any clues. So there we go. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he's going to get it straight away again. This always happens. Like, I build it up and hope he doesn't get it, and then he does. So I've got the clues. I've got one, two, three, four, five clues. Then I've got one clue for after the break that will give it away, I think. Okay, so this player made his full professional debut for Dundee at the age of 17. No dates, so Chris can't work out how old he is. <laughs> okay. His whole career was spent in Scotland, but a brief spell with the Pilgrims. Now, this next clue is one where I'm worried it might give it away. He made 13 appearances for Argyle, but never scored a goal, despite being a striker. 13? Yeah. I, 13. yeah. I, I think I know this one. Oh, you know it already? This, I'm, I need to... I think so. The player has a fair bit of silverware. He's a runners-up medal for the 2003 Scottish Cup. He won the Scottish Challenge Cup in 2007 and won the Scottish First Division with St. Johnson in 2009. After leaving Argyle, he also played for Ross County in Dundee before finishing his career at Arbroath. Those are the pre-break clues. Stu, do you have any idea? It's probably harder for you. I've got, an, I've got a name, or, or I've got someone in mind, but I cannot think of his name. It's from the Bobby Williamson Paul Stokes. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I think well, well, if, you, if Stu's getting it as well, this really isn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. No, I cannot think of his name. But the Bobby Williamson signing, I'm sure. But we'll, we'll, we'll give the final clue after the break then. Yeah, okay. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, Jack, you saw us into the break with your halftime teaser. I have, Chris, I think you know who it is, don't you? So um, I had a couple of names in mind, but I, I don't think it's either, but it's someone like this, if you know what I mean. The first well, before, before yeah, I say, do, do, you, do you want to give your answer before I give the last clue then? And then we'll see if it's Mally's. You, you give your, give what you think. Right. Well, the, the two I had in mind was Stevie Crawford and Steve McLean, but I don't think it's either because I vaguely remember Crawford scoring 
that controversial goal at Yeovil. You're, you're weirdly close, but no. He's very close. I think he's got the right first name. Yeah, you do. So what's the final clue then? I don't think I'll get it. They're the only so, two. And, so Chris, you've obviously got it then, if you know that he's got the right first name. So I'll give the last clue. Yeah. And see if Stu can get it, and then we'll go to you. He started a new career with Police Scotland after retiring from football. No. I've just got those same two names kind of going around in my head, really. Chris, do you want to reveal who it is? Stu, you're very close. It's Stephen Milne. Oh, that's it, yeah. Um, who Bobby Williamson signed, um, along with um, a lot of other players from Scotland. The, the Keith Lasley, Stephen, Stevie Crawford was another one that arrived at the same sort of time. And as you say, Stevie Crawford scored the goal against Yeovil when... Was it Lee Johnson scored with the shot that yeah. when Luke McCormick was out the goal and then Yeovil let Argyle score and it was Stevie Crawford who scored that, that one. Right. If memory serves me as well, Stevie Crawford scored at Leeds one day for Argyle. Um, but Milne was a um, short, nippy striker, never really got a chance, had a chance, and uh, yeah, one season. and, and uh, I, didn't realize didn't score any, I didn't realise he didn't score any goals. Stephen Mill. Yeah, I didn't realise he didn't score any. Well, no, I, 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 I haven't checked. I suspect he might have only started four, four or five games or something like that and as a sub a few times. Um, did, he get, did he get an injury when he was at Argyle? I think he might have done as well, yeah. It's um, near injury, uh, I recall vaguely. It was around that time when Argyle used to go to Austria on pre-season tours um, and we went to the Obertron Sports Centre and you used to see a lot of the players then because we, we stayed on the same site as them. You saw them all. It was around the time when there's lots of new faces coming in, so you got to know people. And so, yeah, I do remember that um, that group quite well. And um, I have actually stayed. I don't speak to him all the time, but Keith Lasley was a midfielder. He was a really nice guy. Used to get on well with Keith. I've stayed in touch with him over the years since, and he's now the uh, assistant ma manager at Motherwell. So, um Often, if you see the Scottish football highlights, Keith Lasley's uh, on the bench next to the manager Stephen Robinson. I'm annoyed. You, I'm annoyed. You still got it. I need to get. I need to make it. <laughs> I'm just going to give you one clue. I'm just going to say uh, the player. The player played in midfield. That'll be the only clue I'll give you. Then you won't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep trying, Jack. Yeah, one day you'll get there, Jack. Okay, we'll get go go back to um, Argyle then. Obviously, well into pre-season now, Chris. Um, Argyle have had Parkway, Middlesbrough. I think they're playing Borough again on Thursday. Did I read that right in one of your pieces? Um, and Neil, Neil Warnock mentioned that they'd be playing three 30-minute matches oh, okay. at the Harpers Park training ground on Thursday. So their match, they, they're, train, they're training sessions, really. Right. But instead of playing 11 v 11 of your own squad, you, you can play against somebody else. Um, so I don't think it's going to be hugely competitive but nonetheless uh, it was certainly from an Argyle point of view it's a great opportunity instead of training 11 v 11 up at Harpers Park between themselves you know to to be able to play against you know the likes of Britta Sombolonga who scored a goal for Middlesbrough and the other players that Middlesbrough have got in there and, and do it as a training session that's that's fantastic fantastic yeah. opportunity and and you look at the way the pre-season's gone it's far from an ideal scenario this year, but they've played partway and had a decent workout against them. They've played a Rangers 11, which will have been strong. They've got effectively two games against Middlesbrough. 
and then they've got Forest Green, who are a very competitive League Two team, who you know are always tough to play against. So although Argyle are perhaps short in numbers on pre-season games, I think the the quality of the games is is excellent. And it, I mean, throwing the QPR game in the Carabao Cup as well, which is on Saturday the fifth. You know, you, you can almost count that as a pre-season game before the league starts. So they'll play two, three games against championship opposition in pre-season, which I, I can't recall ever seeing Argyle do that for, well, certainly for a very long time. Well, I, I remember in recent years as well, and certainly, the, the, you know, under Derek Adams, there was a lot of criticism of pre-season programmes, wasn't there? And there not been enough quality opposition. So it seems like Ryan Lowe has gone in completely the opposite direction. We've spoken, I know we've spoken on the podcast before about us, we, I think all three of us are in agreement that we don't understand why teams don't often play teams in their own division. That's never really been a thing. And we've, I think we all agreed that we don't understand really why that is, because if anything, that would be the type of team that you should be trying to get as well, you know. So I think whilst Argyle aren't playing any League One teams, I think Chris is right, having you know, some good championship teams. And also Forest Green, away from home, were fantastic last year. I think if you looked at away form, they might have gone up. It's just that home form was a bit shoddy, so... You know, if you can't get teams in your own division, I think they're doing as close as they can to that. Too many veggie burgers. Yeah. Well, I said to you, Stu, as well, didn't I? I'm, I'm surprised that... Oh, because well, oh, you said you spoke to him about Chris as well. Extra Argyle with no fans. I would have thought that potentially could have happened. You know, did you, you don't have to announce it, do you? Argyle could have just travelled up to Exeter, which their training pitch is a bit... in the sticks a bit more. No one would have had to have known. Maybe they are doing that. Maybe I've just revealed it. Who knows? <laughs> Not purposefully, but things like that. You know what I mean? It's... it's yeah. I get the issue with fans and police, but in these sort of circumstances, I'm surprised they don't use each other a little bit more. Yeah. Well, the league's fixtures came out as well, of course. Um, Argyle starting at home to Blackpool. Um, we happy with a home game to start off with, Chris? At least you don't have to travel all the way up to Blackpool during the holidays on a... Well, as I say, during the school holidays. Yeah. No, I, I think... Given the current circumstances, I think that the less travelling you, you do, um, the better. And, and Argyle have a lot of home games to start the season. In fact, their first three competitive matches are all at home part. They've got QPO on the fifth in the Carabao Cup. They've got Norwich City under-21s in the regionalised southern section of the EFL Trophy. I'm not sure how regionalised <laughs> Norwich will feel it is when they've got to travel 304 miles to, to play Argyle. And then Blackpool at home in the first league game. So, um, so the first three games are at home. Then they're away to a uh, AFC Wimbledon, which I see intriguingly. Um, Wimbledon's move to Plough Lane isn't quite completed. Yeah. The ground's not finalised. So we're off to, to Loftus Road, home of QPR. So um, very nice uh, place to go and watch football. And then Argyle um, end September at home as well. So... Uh, September, there's there's not too much travelling for Argyle to the start of October when they get to October and then the third and the trip to Hull City when they've uh, got their first uh, long, a few long ones in in October to come. So yeah, start at home is, is good. Um, hopefully that will allow them to to get off to a decent start. With the my trophy game, Chris, has there been a kickoff time announced for that game yet? No, um, it's one of the questions I'm going to ask Ryan Lowe when I see him next. Um, I was speaking about it. We, we've, I was going to say, you and I were speaking about it the other yeah. day. There's, there's just no need to play it at 7.45 on a Tuesday night. So it'll be interesting to see if they bring the kickoff time forward to, say, 5 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. I, I was talking about this. To, uh, we, we discussed it, and then I was talking about, uh, about this to somebody else. And I said, well, there's no reason why you couldn't 
you know, play at one, two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, you wouldn't have floodlights then, or it would, um, the, the person I was talking to just did suggest that, you know, live streaming is going to be quite important. And although EFL trophy matches don't attract a lot of interest generally, the fact that Argyle haven't played any football since March, yeah. and there's lots of new signings, that there might be scope for um, EFL trophy games to be live streamed. And while in an ordinary season, they might not be that, there might not be that amount of interest. The chance to see all of Argyle's new, or some of Argyle's new signings playing, maybe for the first time in a trophy game. So maybe a five o'clock, six o'clock, something like that, when people have, you know, if they've been working or what have you. It'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, for example, the QPR game in the Carabao Cup is at a 12.30 kickoff. It's behind closed doors. Um, it will allow QPR to travel back to London and they'll, they'll get back to London after that game not too late into the evening as opposed to playing at three o'clock and maybe not getting back till, you know, not a million miles away from midnight. Yeah. Just so, what... yeah, kickoff times is, is, is interesting. While we're behind closed doors, yeah. uh, you, could, you could see all sorts of different kickoff times, I think. Yeah. Just on the subject of live streaming, um, I've seen one club tweet this afternoon I'm pretty sure it will be the same for all the FL clubs that live streams will be available for league games on a Saturday. And I think there's going to be a £10 match fee, but it's going to be free to season ticket holders. That's right. I've seen a statement from the EFL about that today, yeah. Stu. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, £10 for non-season ticket holders. Um, all games, um, while there's a restricted crowd capacity, uh, I, they, in the statement, they didn't set a, a limit, but they said that there'd be regular reviews um, and the next one would be in early October where they'll look at it and say, OK, you know, we can only get so many people in, so we'll leave it as it is. But there will be a point where they get to whether it's 40 percent of crowds, 50 percent of crowds, 60 percent of crowds. Well, they say, OK, now we can get so many more people in, then we'll stop doing the, the live streaming. But if you're an Argyle season ticket holder, you should be able to watch, as far as I understand it, and Jack seems to be punching there as we, we talk, um, that you will be able to watch live streams of Argyle's home matches um, for free um, while, the, while the situation goes on. I'm not always, I'm not always a, a massive fan of some of the thing, decisions the EFL make, but I think they've got this right. I think, I think Sky deserves a bit of credit as well, Jack, as well, because oh, yeah. it's sort of... It's impacting the value of their team contract that they have, but they obviously take, rightly so, in my opinion, they're taking the long-term view that, yeah, okay, they might have a bit of a dip to start off with, but it buys good uh, goodwill from fans when they realise that, yeah, Sky are, you know, sometimes we, we all moan about TV selections and this, that and the other and what have you, but I think, to be fair to Sky, they, they've been quite supportive of the AFL in trying to help them navigate through this you know really difficult period yeah i think as well i just think that the um, efl recognize that as well going forward when they negotiate future tv yeah well it's, yeah. Just, it's just it's just good i think we're, we're all football fans and you know you you quite often sometimes feel that fans aren't always put first or put uh, seen as important by certain bodies so it's good to see that like you said sky are, are doing that as well in terms of the fixtures uh, from a purely selfish point of view, I'm annoyed there's so many home fixtures at the start of the season because I can't go and watch them. <laughs> I wanted there to be more away games at the start of the season. It's yeah. typical. I'll go, I'm surprised we're not away to Bristol City. Exeter got our normal League Cup draw this, this time around. So it's typical that 
we're finally at home to an all right team, you know, in in League One, and uh, and we can't go and wa- can't go and watch it. Um, although I will say as well, it's annoying that ever since they've changed the rules, haven't they? Because um, it used to be was championship they split them into two so the championship and top of league one played teams in yeah, league two and i swear since they've changed that rule which i was glad they changed i've got to had all difficult ties so it's not actually helped them in any way despite the fact even when they went up to and were in the top half of league one and they would have had a lower half league two team we ended up getting bristol city so it's funny how that works but yeah i'm a bit annoyed that there's so many home games at the start of the season when i can't go there in person but grateful that i'll be able to watch most of them on on some sort of streaming platform i, I suppose you're going to have to if you want to touch the forest green game you'll have to pay 10 pound for that because it won't be included in your your season ticket will it uh, yeah i'm not a massive fan of pre-season games either but i, I imagine that'll be the same with cup games i'm will it i would I imagine I, I i wouldn't be adverse to paying extra for cup games because like you said they're not part of a season ticket deal so i'll be quite happy to pay for that sorry I'm sure most fans would. Not, the, not the um forest green game i was thinking of the efl trophy game yeah, well, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. If I paid ten pound for that. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. You, I'd happily follow uh, Chris's blog for the uh, EFL trophy game. Because that's that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, Chris, you were saying that there's not a lot of there's a lot of angst against that competition, but there's a lot of interest in the blogs when, when you do them, isn't there? You know, people do, even though they might not like the competition, but they still want to keep an eye on what's going on and who's doing what and who's playing and and all that sort yeah. of thing. And the. the the Carabao Cup and the EFL Trophy first group game are, are, are almost pre-season games, aren't they? Because the first league game is actually the third competitive match of the season. So um, um, I, I'd be surprised, looking at that first week, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but I can see Ryan Lowe playing a, his probable starting lineup for the first league game against QPR. Yeah. Uh, but then a Tuesday game before your first league game on the Saturday there's, there's no way he's going to play a full strength team or anything close to it. I would have thought, why would you take any risks with any players that you're thinking of using against Blackpool on the Saturday? So I can see that EFL trophy game against Norwich being, um, you know, quite a young, quite a young side in all that's, honesty. That's an interesting point you make actually, Chris, because of course there are punishments for teams if they don't abide yeah. by these rules. So I don't They've know. Loosened- those rules have been scrapped for this year or, or what? I think they've loosened those rules over the years, and it, it, it doesn't take too much to um, abide by them. I remember Argyle going to Newport County a couple of seasons ago on the Tuesday night when they were already out. Um, Derek Adams played, Ryan Law, Adam Randall, um, all sorts of the youngsters. And he made some major changes, but he still abided by the rules that um that were in place but uh uh yeah i i, I can see that norwich game being 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 a, a real sort of uh, you know reserve team but uh, you wouldn't expect managers to do anything other why would you risk any of your first team players four days before the start of a league season especially when once you get started this season you're, you're going to be playing an awful lot of games uh was it 13 games before the end of october or something like that i think it worked out if you know we've so it's a lot. That's, that's, that's if you don't progress in the League Cup as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. Actually, interesting. The other thing is, so I was going to say Ryan Hardy obviously won't be available for that first game. That, that's that's the interesting thing. That'll get out of the way pretty quick. I was just going to say the EFL, I think they deserve credit as well for the way that they've scheduled the start of the season. So I think clubs would be really keen to have those Carabao Cup and EFL trophy games as, as you say, Chris, almost like pre-season games before the real action begins on September the 12th. 
Yeah, uh, it, it used to happen in the old days, uh, says the, the, the older journalist here out of the three of us, but I can remember when the League Cup was always the first first competitive match of the season and they used to play the first round over two legs and so you'd you'd get two League Cup ties before any clubs played, played their league game. So um, it's happened in the past and because of the lack of pre-season games for most clubs, like I said, I'm sure some managers will be t- treating the first round of the Carabao Cup and the first group game in the EFL Trophy as a sort of pre-season game, just completing all the fine-tuning before they get into the league. Because Ryan Lowe's already said it, and I'm sure most managers will say it, the league is our priority. And do you, has there been any announcement on what's happening with drink breaks and the amount of subs? Is that, is that continuing next season? or? Uh, I think the drinks breaks was just, um, you know, for the end of last season and in the, in the, in the playoffs and in the uh, Championship and Premier League. The subs, um, FIFA have said that clubs or leagues can continue to allow five subs per game. I haven't seen anything to suggest what the EFL have decided on that. Um, but there was some talk that clubs would probably prefer to revert back to three subs, but we'll, we'll wait and see. There's been no final announcement from the EFL then, as of yet? Not as far as I know. Not as far as I know. I'm, I might don't think I've missed it, not as far as I know. Yeah, I've not seen anything either. Hmm. Right, well, chaps, that brings this week's show to a close. But um, just before we go, I think it would be remiss of me to not point out that this is Jack's last week working here at the Plymouth Herald and Plymouth Live. Regular listeners to the show will know that I'm an excellent fan. I've spent the last five or six years sat next to Jack (laughs) working with him. And his love and passion for Argyle is second to none. Uh, because of my football allegiance, it's led to some great banter, especially after the 4-0 hammering in the Devon Derby, Jack. And, uh, Sorry, there's been, a, there's been a better 4-0 result since then, and that was in the playoff <laughs> final. First, please. And also <laughs> decorated your desk with Exeter City memorabilia when you went on a holiday for two weeks. Um, I know you've taken equal pleasure in Argyle's Devon Derby wins, and had fun at my expense as well, but it goes to show that great rivals can also be great friends. And I hope our friendship continues long after your final days here. At the Herald. <clears throat> I'm getting all emotional here. Sorry, have you finished? I don't no, interrupt you. Yeah, I wish you all the best, mate. I really do. Um, it's not a farewell, though, because you are going to continue coming on the show, aren't you, as a, as a guest going forward? Well, I'm happy. I've got no, no, nothing to do, so <laughs> I might be desperate to get back. Um, no, thank you. That, that's very kind. I've, ha- I've had a, a good time working on sport, and you know, it's, it's, I think the three of us have been quite a good team together, haven't we, over the years? And we've gone through lots of changes. Lots of people have come and gone. Chris tries not to take it too personally that people don't stick around him for too long. <laughs> but no, we've been... You've yeah, we've, like you've, you've just lasted six years, Jack. No, I get less for murder, I think, is the saying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, something like that. But no, it's been great. You know, because when I first started this, I had no really experience. I came straight from uni and sort of Chris particularly, you know, we worked quite closely together and you helped, helped me a lot. So I'm grateful for that. And this podcast has been one of the best things about the job, 100%. I've, you know, I've got to interview players that I watched growing up, like David Frio and David Norris and Paul Sturrock and people that you know, I really admired. And to a lot of people who support big teams, that will seem like nothing. But you know, when, it's your, when it's a club you grew up with, you're sat as a kid watching them and you'll get to interview them one day, even though I had to pay a £60 phone bill for David Frio's podcast because I was <laughs> bringing him over in France. It was, um, it's, it's been great. So I've really enjoyed this podcast. And you know, it's... I know your extra allegiance has been kept a secret for a long time on this, but it was, I think it's been blown one or two times by some guests. Well, certainly by but, the other week. 
<laughs> Mike Thompson, I think, a, a year or two ago, managed to blurt it out. But you know, some fans take things a bit too far with rivalries. But you know, it's it's been it's been fun, isn't it? And I'm sure every time Exeter lose a game, I'm, I'll be sure to text you, and I'm, I'm sure we'll keep in contact. And we play Football Manager as well, which Chris yeah. has had many stories about in the times, and normally just rolls his eyes at us. So uh, I'm sure that'll all continue. And yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to be a guest every now and again on the podcast as well. Jack, I won't be able to do pub quizzes anymore because uh, on a Friday night away game, uh, I, I, I would have been useless uh, at pub quizzes. But we had a we had a couple when we went up to uh, was it Blackpool and Fleetwood or something like that, and we even came oh, second one night, just the two of us. I still my favourite my favourite bit about that story. I won't go on for too long because people are probably getting bored of my uh, life story. But um, I remember the first time we went for that, and it was one of those speed quizzes where you got an iPad and you had to you know you you had to click on the answer quite quickly. And we had to pick a song, didn't we? We had to pick a song for like, so if we won the round, we're the first team, our song would play. And I was trying to scroll through to look at the different songs. I accidentally clicked on one. I didn't know what it was. But it, it turned out to be a song about shaking big booties or something. And, um, and we, every, so every time me and Chris were first, we ended up going, oh, no, this is, how we pick this as our song? Yeah. Um, but no, it's been, it's been good. And, you know, we've, we've had... <laughs> it's been, had some great times with, with internets going down. And we even had a car crash at one point. I was going to say... About the car crash, yeah. But no, it's it's been fun, and I think the worst moment of of it all was when Ollie Watkins scored that late goal, and I was sat amongst all Exeter fans, including Stu, and everyone jumped up around me, and I was just sat there thinking, "Oh my god, get me out of this stadium!" Because it's right at the end, so people didn't really sit down again, and I was like, "Oh my god," that was probably one of the lowest moments. But no, it's actually it's it's good it's good fun to have mates with you know someone that's in a, a, a rival team. Is it is it allows for fun, doesn't it? So. Yeah. Yes, good. Good. Yeah. it's good to know you'll be uh, joining us still um jack so that's that's good season ticket holder as you are now who do, I my, who do i send my invoice to you which one of you will uh pay my 100 pounds an hour uh, um Merrington. We'll, we'll check the one out won't we Stu? <laughs> indeed yes we will you are gonna um i was gonna leave mm. it to you to say goodbye for this week so yeah. well to all my adoring fans Thank you for sticking with me over the years. It's been a great pleasure. I'd like to thank my parents. No, I'm joking. Um, no, it's, it honestly has been great fun with you two. And um, I look forward to joining them in the future. And I can be a bit more controversial, maybe, without my role at the Herald. So who knows what will come out of my mouth? I don't even know what's going to come out half the time. So join these two again next week. I might be here. Who knows? I might, might be snapped up. I might have a job. I might be, you know, I'll go manager next week. Who knows what will happen now? Because I don't know if I mentioned, I did discover Ryan Hardy two years ago. So. I might be. In, I could apply for scout roles. Who knows? But for, yeah, no. Thank you both, and I look forward to joining again in the future.